Hello, Pastor Toller here. Thanks so much for joining me today for this online service, or perhaps you're watching on Facebook, YouTube, or on the website, or you're watching on the replay or the podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. And I got a good sermon that I want to share with you. It's something that has really been on my mind. You know, we live in, in a day when there's so much turmoil in the world, so much chaos, and we anticipate the day in which the Bible prophesies that there will be a day in which there will be peace, there will be prosperity, and that is a day in which Christ will rule and he will reign. And if we're saved, we'll rule with him and we will reign with him as kings and priests during that time that is referred to in the scriptures as the millennium or the thousand-year millennial reign of Christ, or we could call it the golden age, for years, man has looked for peace and tried to prosper, and there's been so much war and pestilence and conflict in the world. But there's coming a day, folks, that will ultimately be in heaven. That will eliminate all of those things. But even before that, there's coming a day in which there'll be, that I want to preach on this morning, peace in the valley. Peace in the valley. You remember the old song, Peace in the Valley? And I've been thinking about that day that we'll anticipate no more sickness, sorrow, war, and all those things. And in 1937, the black gentleman, Thomas Dorsey, wrote the song and the hymn when he was traveling. Uh, and it was shortly before Hitler sent his war chariots into Western Europe. Thomas was on a train going through southern Indiana on his way to Cincinnati when he passed through a valley on that train. Horses and cows and sheep were all gazing together in that valley, and a little brook was running through it. Everything seemed so peaceful. So it caused him to wonder what was wrong with mankind. And we know about this hymn that we've heard probably not recently but say there'll be peace in the valley for me someday. There'll be peace in the valley for me. I pray no more sorrow and sadness of trouble will be. There will be peace in the valley for me. There the flowers will be blooming, the grass will be green, and the skies will be clear and serene. The sun ever shines, giving one endless beam, and the clouds there will ever be seen. And I love this part here. There the bear will be gentle. The wolf will be tame. That's biblical, folks. And the lion will lay down with the lamb. The host from the wild will be led by child. Now listen, I love this. I'll be changed from the creature. That's a good word. I'll be changed from the creature that I am. No headaches or heartaches or misunderstands. No confusion or trouble won't be. No frowns to defile. Just a big, endless smile. There'll be peace and contentment for me. And we know this. There will be peace in the valley for me. Oh, yes. We know that hymn. And we know about the story now. And I want to talk to you about that wonderful day that we look forward to when there'll be peace in the valley. And those, especially that third there, when it's talking about the bear will be gentle, the wolf will be tame, the lion will lay down with the lamb, 
Boy, that's talking about that millennial reign of Christ, that thousand-year millennial reign, and will be the golden age. So there's several things I want to talk to you about, and we won't have time in this particular sermon to talk about all the in the series of the things that I want to talk about the millennial or the millennial reign. We're going to look at a lot of Old Testament scriptures, and today will be a topical sermon. So I trust you have your Bible or your Bible app or either a notepad to write down all these verses I'm going to share with you today. And you can go back later and listen to this and pick those up. I'm not going to have time to read all of them, but I'll make reference to them. So here's what we're going to talk about in this series of sermons. Number one, we're going to see the prophecy of the millennium. We'll see in the Old Testament that it is prophesied, and even in the New Testament. And we'll look at a verse here in a minute that will tell us about that prophecy that was given to Mary by Gabriel. And it was given to her. Speaking of this millennial reign, we'll talk about the peace of the millennium. I love that peace. Finally, in this world of chaos, in this world of turmoil, will be a day of peace when Christ will rule with a rod of iron and we'll rule and reign with him. So talk about the peace of the millennium. Then we'll talk about the population of the millennium. There'll be a population explosion because There'll be a lot of the sins and so forth that will not be part of that time. So it'll be a population explosion during the millennium, and many will be born into families and so forth. And we'll see that towards the end of millennium. And then also, won't you notice the prolonged life of the millennium? The life will be prolonged during that time. And it's said in the Bible that those who die at the age of 100 will be considered just a child at that time. Can you imagine that? Prolonged life. Why? Because uh, disease and so forth is not prevalent like it is today. And man is taken care of. There's not going to be those who take life prematurely and so forth. And no war, by the way. Then we're going to see the prosperity of the millennium. So again, the prophecy of the millennium, the peace of the millennium, the population of the millennium, the prolonged life of the millennium, and the prosperity of the millennium. Then we'll have to talk about what happens at the end when Satan's loose, but we'll get to that in the future. So this morning, I want to draw your attention to Luke chapter 1 and verse 32 and verse 33. And again, this is Gabriel speaking to Mary and gives her a prophecy concerning this kingdom age, even this early in the word of God in the New Testament, before Christ even came to the earth. And it says in verse 32, he shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father, David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. Finally, will the, he will rule in verse 32, give him the throne of his father, David. In verse 33, he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. Now listen, and of his kingdom, this is referring to the millennial reign of Christ, the golden age, however you want to describe it, there shall be no end. So we see that in the New Testament, it was prophesied that there would be a millennial reign, there would be a kingdom age in which Christ will rule and reign for a literal thousand years. Now we take this literally, we take a literal approach to the scriptures, I mean we believe that God said what he meant and meant what he said. There are those who would explain away. There are those who are amillennialist. Ah, meaning they negate it, means that they don't believe in the millennium. 
But I believe in the millennium because the Bible refers to it several times in Revelation chapter 20 and throughout Scripture. And I take it literally that this will transpire. Of course, we're talking about futuristic events that have not yet transpired because, hey, we've got to have the rapture of the church take place before this happens. Then there's a seven-year tribulation period. And then we have Christ comes back in Revelation chapter number 19, riding a white horse. And if we're saved, we'll come back with him. And there he defeats the false prophet and the Antichrist and casts him in the lake of fire. And then we have the battle of Armageddon when he destroys and annihilates all the enemies of the earth that come against him in that great day. Then at that point only can we have, as we flip a chapter over to Revelation chapter 20, do we have that thousand year millennial reign that we get a fresh, uh, there's a fresh start of people that will be ushered in into that millennial reign. And then there'll be a resurrection that we'll talk about here in just a minute. So we see that this is prophesied. Realize on the simplest level of Christianity that you and I have been instructed by the Lord Jesus Christ in the model prayer where he said, and gave us, many people call it the Lord's Prayer. It's not the Lord's Prayer. It's the disciples' prayer or the model prayer because in it asks for forgiveness of sin, and Jesus never had to ask forgiveness for sin because we believe in the impeccability of Christ, that Christ could not sin. All right? So when, even when we are taught to pray, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy what kingdom come Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. So we are instructed from the model prayer that when we pray on a regular basis, we are actually literally praying for Christ to usher in his kingdom. So that is, is prophesied, is talk about, talked about in Matthew and in Luke when it comes to the model prayer. And then also a verse that you would want to put down would be Psalm chapter 2, verses 6 through 9. And the Bible says here, yet have I set my king upon my holy hill of Zion. That's referring to Christ. Yet have I set my king upon my holy hill of Zion. I will declare the decree. The Lord has said unto me, thou art my son. This day have I begotten thee. Ask of me and I shall give thee the heathen for thine inheritance and the uttermost part of the earth for thy possession. Verse number nine, thou shalt break them with a rod of iron. There's going to be a lot of talk about a, that rod of iron that he will rule and reign during the millennium. Thou shalt dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. There's a, a couple other verses I'll share with you in passing, but I don't have the time to share with you right now. But you want to look at Psalm 72 verses seven and nine through 11, or perhaps the entire chapter, Psalm 72 verse seven and then verses 9 through 11. But I want to go over to Daniel now. <clears throat> in Daniel chapter 7, verses 13 and 14, say this. After this, I saw in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man came with the clouds of heaven and came to the Ancient of Days. And they brought him near before him, and there was given him dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion. We shall not pass away in his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed. 
So that's Daniel chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. You also want to make note, and we'll pick back up on this verse later, is Micah verse uh, chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. I won't read those this morning, but you want to note down Micah chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. Also, another minor prophet that we don't hear a whole lot about that mentions about the millennium, and that is Zechariah 9.10. We don't hear a whole lot about Zechariah or Zephaniah for that matter, but it says in Zechariah 9.10, and his dominion, and this is the latter part of the verse, I'm sure, and his dominion shall be from sea even to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. So Christ will rule. It's been prophesied that there's coming a kingdom age, a golden age, a time of peace and prosperity and prolonged life and progress of mankind will take place during this kingdom age. That is a futuristic event that has not yet taken place, but it will one day, according to prophecy, when Christ will reign and he will rule. See, right now, Satan, he's the God of this age. Satan right now is a prince and power of the air. But one day Christ will be officially king of kings and lord of lords, and he will rule and reign during this time. That's the reason there'll be so much peace and prosperity, because God's in control, and we ought to all learn from that and let him be in control of our lives. So we see the prophecy of the millennium that is mentioned in the scriptures. It is prophesied even as early as the Old Testament, and it is early in the New Testament right before Christ was born, of his kingdom there shall be no end. Let's move on to the peace, number two, the peace of the millennium, the peace of the millennium. Now, why will there be peace of the millennium during this time? Why will there be peace? Well, I'll tell you why. A couple reasons. Number one is because who sits on the throne? There will be peace in the millennium because of who sits on the throne. There will be universal justice, universal peace, because Christ will rule with a rod of iron. Christ and the church will reign. See, church, right now, we're trying to serve God the best we can, trying to live for the Lord. And guess what? It does matter because we're to be good stewards. It is to be found in stewards that a man be found faithful because if you're faithful in a few things, he will make you ruler over many things. And what that verse is referring to is the millennial reign of Christ. Based upon our faithfulness now, we'll determine our area or boundary that we will rule in in the millennial reign. You don't hear a whole lot about that anymore. But the Bible teaches that if you are faithful over a few things, I will make you ruler over many things. So it does matter once you're saved that you need to work for the Lord and show yourself faithful because it will determine in the kingdom millennial age of what boundary or area in which you will reign and rule with Christ. We'll reign over the earth and how far will be his dominion the Bible tells that, remember in Zechariah, it says, even from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth, Christ will rule universally. All right, around the whole world, he will rule. We'll rule with him with that rod of iron. A lot's been said about that rod of iron. If you was to study that phrase, rod of iron, and look in the book of the Revelation, chapter 5, it says, and she brought forth a man-child 
And this is referring to those seven personages that are found in Revelation chapter number 12, basically seven major uh, personifications of uh, people. And you say, she brought forth a man-child who shall who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up to God, even to his throne. Revelation 19, verse 15. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations, and shall rule them with what? A rod of iron. And he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And then in Revelation chapter 20, verse 6, referring to that millennial reign, Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. These are those who have been resurrected, the first resurrection, those who have been beheaded for the faith during the tribulation period will come back to rule and reign with him as well as we in the, in the rapture, Revelation 19, when we come back with him. On such the second death hath no power. Thank God the second death, if you're saved, does not have power. If you are born once, you'll die twice. But if you're born twice, born of physically, and then you're born spiritually, because the Bible says, marvel not, you must be born again. You'll only die once, physical death. And the Bible tells us later that death and hell were cast into the lake of fire, and this is the second death. Thank God only die one time physically if we don't go in the rapture. So it hath no power, but they shall be priests, listen, priests of God and of Christ, and shall reign with him. Did you hear me? Reign with him a thousand years. And we believe a literal thousand years. I'm not going to try to explain that away. I'm not going to try to say it means something else. I believe it means a literal thousand years, a new miracle. A thousand years. It, there are those who try to explain it away. They try to say it's a figurative. It's not literal. I believe it's a literal thousand years because it's repeated, I think, six, seven times, maybe six times in Revelation chapter number 20 and those just those few verses. So <clears throat> why will there be peace in the millennium? Number one, because he that sits on the throne. All right. Number two, there will be peace because there'll be the salvation of men. Salvation of men. Here's something I want you to understand is remember at the battle of Armageddon, all the nations of the world will go against Christ. It will be the battle of Antichrist. The false prophet will gather as we see in revelation chapter number 19, that action packed chapter of the most action packed chapter in the entire word of God. And you will see in there, they gather together the false prophet, the Antichrist, to battle against God and all the nations that hate God, the God-haters. And in that, Christ will come down himself, which will come back with him, but he will utterly annihilate, eliminate. I mean, is a strong word. Annihilate is a strong word. But it, they don't stand a chance. Listen, all the armory of all the world and all the enemies of God during that time and all their arsenal is no match for the sword that proceedeth out of the mouth of Jesus Christ utterly annihilates the entire enemy and all those who hate God and went against God. These eliminated the enemy has been in the, the battle of Armageddon. They've went against him. Those have taken the mark. So you think they're all off the scene at that point. Then we flip a chapter and that explains why in the millennial period, 
uh, therefore begins in which both Jews and Gentiles are saved. So you're kind of getting a fresh start there. All the ones that the God-haters and so forth, the enemies of God, have been utterly annihilated, eliminated from the earth. As you can see, the fowls of the air can't come and feast on their flesh. I know that's gruesome, but that's what the Bible tells us. And it says that, that uh, as we flip a chapter, and it is the testimony of Scripture, is to the effect that the beginning of the millennium, all unsaved people are put to death. All right? And that's uh, Wolvert in his commentary. Now, you see a couple things. The enemies of God have been annihilated. The millennial period, therefore, begins with Jews and Gentiles both saved, and that unsaved people are put to death at the beginning of the millennium, and so we have a fresh start. So we have people upon the earth and the salvation of men. Because it tells us in Isaiah chapter 11, verse 9, for the earth shall be full, full, listen, of the knowledge of the Lord as the water covers or cover the sea. Let me read that again. For the earth, this is Isaiah 11, verse 9, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the water cover the sea. The knowledge of the Lord is full. Now, is the knowledge of the Lord full in the day in which we live? No, it's not. Here will be a time where the knowledge is vast and full that is like the water that covers the sea. So that's the second reason there will be peace during that time. Number one, because of who sits on the throne, and number two, because of the salvation of men. The third reason is the uh, that Satan is bound. Not only is it who sits on the throne, on the salvation of men, but we have Satan is bound. During this time, we know, if you were with me during my study of Revelation, when we went through chapter 20, and we talked about this time in Revelation, that Satan was taken, and he was taken to the bottomless pit, and he was bound there. And so now, during this time, he will not be loosed until the end. We'll get to that later. At the end of the millennial reign in which he will be loosed, but for a little season, for one last battle against God, before he takes those, as we'll talk about here in a minute, those who are born during the millennium that don't appreciate where they're living and they have a religion on the outside, but not salvation on the inside. And they will be deceived by Satan through his power and influence at the end, which will be the battle of Gog and Magog. Of course, that is a story in itself uh, where they will be also defeated tremendously by the Lord Jesus. So Satan is bound. So imagine we do not understand a time or a day or a government or a time period in history, in human history, when Satan has not had power, when Satan has not had influence upon the nations. Satan influences the nations. We see that later at the end of the millennial reign, that he is very much instrumental in influencing leaders and political leaders and countries and so forth and dictators and God-haters and everybody else, as we see that he... Uh, will not be able to exercise his power nor his influence upon man or anyone else. So you got to realize at this point, Satan is no longer in the picture. We don't, we can't comprehend a time in human history when Satan has not had his power and influence. But during this time, no one can say, we well, can't really say it now, the devil made me do it. He had nothing to do with it during this time. 
And by the way, the devil can't make you do anything. But you see here that it's no longer, he's no longer inter interfering. He has no influence or power during the millennium. And that's the reason, another reason that there'll be peace. Let's look at the next one. This is good. There'll be the subtraction of the curse of the earth lifted during this time. Let me say it again. The subtraction, the taking away of the, the curse of the earth will be lifted. The Bible tells us this. You might want to jot this down, look at it later, and then we'll read another verse. It's Isaiah 35, verses 1 and 2. And But I want to read to you Romans chapter 8, verses 19 through 22. See, since Adam's fall in the garden, has the earth has been cursed. And so it groans for this time in which the curse from the earth will be lifted. Nature will be set free during this time from the bondage of sin. See, sin has its influence or its impact upon the earth. All right. And the Bible says in Romans chapter 8, verses 19 through 22, for the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who has subjected the same in hope. Listen, because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption in the glorious liberty of the children of God. Now listen, for we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth. That's talking about travaileth is speaking of birth pains. Travaileth in pain together even unto now. So even the earth anticipates the time in which the curse will be lifted. Uh, something else about this curse being lifted upon the earth is these wonderful verses. These are some of my favorite verses in the entire Word of God. They're so peaceful. We can anticipate a time, the hymn we started out with, where it says in Isaiah chapter 11, verse number 6, The wolf also shall dwell with the lamb. The wolf shall dwell with the lamb. Normally, these two creatures cannot get along. And the leopard shall lie down with the kid. And the calf and the young lion and the fatling together. Now listen, and a little child shall lead them. Can you imagine that? I wouldn't let my children around a lot of wild animals uh, any type of a lion or anything like that. But in the millennium, a little child will lead a ferocious animal around with no threat uh, physically to it. No violence will be taking place. Now look at Isaiah 65, verse 25, which tells us, And the wolf and the lamb shall feed together. Now imagine that, a wolf and a lamb feeding together. And the lion, listen, imagine a lion shall eat straw, like a bull, like the bullock. <laughs> uh, a lion is a carnivore. It eats meat. It's a meat eater. But here it eats straw like a bullock. I like this one. And dust shall be the serpent's meat. A snake will eat the dust of the ground. Dirt, if you will. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all the holy mountain. And you see that referred to several times when it's referring to the millennium that they shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain, saith the Lord. Isaiah chapter 11, verses 6 through 9, I like this. The wolf also shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the kid, and the calf and the young lion and the fatling together, and a little child shall lead them. Of course, that 
is uh, you know similar to what we read before. And the cow and the bear, what well, says the cow and the bear shall feed. Their young ones shall lie down together. Can you imagine a cow and then a bear? <laughs> but it's going to happen one day. They lie down together and the lion shall eat straw like an, the ox. And the suckling child shall play on the hole of an asp. And the weaning, the weaned child shall put his hand on the cock trice's den, which uh, that word means a poisonous serpent and a viper snake or an, or an adder, very dangerous serpent. So at that time, there'll be no threat from snakes. Uh, there'll be no threat from serpents. There'll be no threat from the lion. There'll be no threat from the bear. There'll be a time of peace. And that is because that we have the subtraction of the curse of the earth lifted. So let's review these, and I'll give you the last one, is there'll be peace in the millennium because he that sits on the throne, there'll be the salvation of men during that time because you get a fresh start, okay? Now, it's not going to end so well, which God's going to prove a point, and we'll get to that, that man is ultimately evil on the inside and has a sin nature. But we see the salvation of men. We see the subtraction or that Satan is bound. Number three, Satan is bound in the bottomless pit. He has no influence, no power. We see the subtraction of the earth lifted. The lion will lay down with the lamb. Uh, they'll eat straw, and, and little children, babies will play with snakes, and toddlers will play with asp and adders and so forth. And imagine that. But like I said, that's what makes it a time of peace. Now, this is one, as I end out, that I want to share with you. This is wonderful, incredible. We don't know a time that, as I mentioned earlier, that Satan has ruled and reigned in the earth and influenced leaders and caused turmoil and trouble and conflict. But there's something else mankind has never been without, and that's wars. Wars. It says in the last days there'll be wars and rumors of wars, and there's actually going to be, lastly, a there's going to be peace on the earth because there'll be a suppression, which means to suppress means to do away with by authority. There'll be a suppression of all war. There'll be no war. You may want to read Psalm 72 later uh, that goes along with that. But I'll read two verses as we're in and out. Now, I want you to see the suppression of all war. Imagine a time of a thousand years. There's no war. There's no battles. These verses right here, I don't know, they help me. They encourage me. I want to share them with you. Isaiah 2.4. And he shall judge among the nations and shall rebuke many people. I like this. And they shall beat their spears into pruning hooks. No reason to have a sword or a spear anymore. There's no war. And so they use those for pruning hooks, which comes into play later when there's so much prosperity during this time. And there's not greed and so forth where there's there's not distribution of food and famine and all those things so they turn into pruning hooks nations shall not lift up sword against nation neither shall they i love this shall they learn war no more all right look at micah chapter 4 verse 3 the bible says he shall judge among many people and rebu rebuke strong nations afar off, and they shall beat their swords to plowshares. That's similar to what we read in Isaiah. And their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up a sword against nation, neither shall they learn war no more. There'll be peace in the valley for me someday. 
Thank God we know him. And if you're listening to this podcast, if you're listening to this replay, if you're listening to this live stream, if you're listening to this sermon, then I want to invite you that you don't have to wait to have this. If you want to be there now, you have to be saved. You have to know Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. And we can have peace on the inside by knowing that we're saved. And so you ought to cry out to God and ask him the best way you know how in faith and repentance to, to save you. The Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You call to him in faith and repentance and trust in him and ask forgiveness of your sins. Will he come into your heart and live and abide within your heart? And you can be saved and have that confidence uh, that you're saved and that you're going to heaven one day and that you'll be coming back with Christ in Revelation chapter 19, riding a white horse and coming back and you'll be on the winning side. Thank God for that. And as you come back, you can enjoy this time of this time of peace, this time of prosperity, this time of prolonged life. What a wonderful time that we have to anticipate. There's not peace now. There's wars and rumors of wars, pestilence and diseases and trials and all those things. But let's Take that and set it to the side for the minute and just think about in the Word of God when it talks about that peace in the valley. I feel that peace in my heart today, and I trust you do as well, and trust this has been an encouragement. Let's pray together. Heavenly Fathers, we come before you. We thank you for these means in which we have to gather together, uh, Lord, Lord, virtually, and meet each person where they are. May this Word not return void. We anticipate and look for the day There'll be peace in the valley for me when we'll see the curse lifted and the salvation of men and the subtraction of war and suppression of these things and Satan bound. Lord, we anticipate that wonderful day and we're glad that we're saved. We're on the winning side and we're coming back one day to rule and reign with you based on our faithfulness. May we continue to be faithful in these days in which we live, keeping our eyes on the prize and keeping our eyes on the goal, and our goal is God. May we continue to serve and live you, live for you despite pandemic, despite pestilence. May we continue on and serve you and live for you. We'll thank you and praise you for all you do and all God's people said, amen. God bless you.